the middle of the three stained glass windows on this, your right hand side here, is a stained glass window of the visitation of, our, of Mary and Elizabeth. So I think everybody's fairly familiar with the story. When the angel appears to Mary, she says, you know, your cousin Elizabeth is beyond childbearing years, but she's going to have a child. And Mary, as soon as the angel departs, she, she takes off and goes to the hill country of Judea, which is about like a three-day journey for Mary to go. And so in the picture... In this stained glass window in the background is St. Joseph and Zechariah. They're not always depicted, Joseph and Zechariah, in the story of the visitation. But it really makes sense. If Mary, Joseph's young betrothed, is going to make a three or four day journey on foot, I could imagine Joseph would say, you know what, I'm going to go with you. Right? I'm going to take you down there. I'll walk with you. And, and so the, off they go, right, together. Do you think as, as they're walking on the way, right, as they're making this three-day journey to the hill country of Judea, to Elizabeth and Zechariah, at some point, Joseph might ask the question, hey, uh, Mary, how did you know Elizabeth was with child? Like, she didn't post anything on Instagram, right? Like, there was no telegram that came. There was no news traveled. Like, how did you know? And that would probably prompt Mary to tell the story of how she found out, the story of the next window up of the Annunciation. That that's maybe, of course this is all my imagination going, but how would we hear in this, the gospel that we just heard, Mary was found with child through the Holy Spirit. How did Joseph find out that Mary was with child through the Holy Spirit unless she told him? That she had to tell him at some point, hey, Joseph, this is what happened. And maybe it, while, it was while they were on their journey to the hill country of Judea to be with Elizabeth and Zechariah. And so you could imagine Joseph wrestling with this, right? He gets this, this information that maybe in one sense seems rather far-fetched. But then on the other hand, he also knows the integrity of Mary. He knows how honest she is. He knows how, like not just kind of making up random stories to cover a pregnancy she would she would be and so joseph you know takes mary down to the hill country of judea down to zechariah and elizabeth's house and then we hear that mary stays there for about three months elizabeth's in her last trimester so mary's there to help her for the final months of her pregnancy would joseph had stayed for three months as my imagination goes, probably not. He would say, you know, I've, I've got this, I've got a workshop. I've got to get the house ready for you to come in and live there. So, Mary, I'm going to leave you here. You seem to be in good hands with, with Elizabeth and Zechariah. I'm going to go back to Nazareth and kind of just, I've got a business to run. I've got, I've got some things to do. I'll come back. And they, they agree on three months. Come back and, and walk me back. And then Joseph really has to think. He has to pray. What, what, does, he, what does he do? What, what does he do with this child that his wife allegedly has the Holy Spirit come upon her and the Holy Spirit's the cause of this child? And you can imagine how many, how many men go out into their workshop to think. Go out there where nobody's going to bother them and they can just go and tinker and work and just hash out everything that's between, between their temples. And you can imagine Joseph doing something similar. 
That is, he's got to wrestle with, what does all this mean? He's got to go to work. Maybe he's got to talk to people. Maybe St. Joseph goes to his best friends. Maybe he goes to his parents and says, look, this is, this is what she said. What do, I, what do I do? What could I possibly do? It just seems so un, unfathomable. And yet, I trust her. And maybe some of his friends would say, she's delusional, man. Like, you got to get out of there. You got to leave. And maybe others were saying, like, you know, maybe it's true. And Joseph, in his own heart, has to wrestle with, what, is, what does all this mean? What do I do? And so at some point, Joseph decides that he's going to divorce her quietly to say, and why? Who knows, right? We're not given why Joseph decides to do this. That maybe he does it because he thinks he has been betrayed by her. Or maybe he does it because he says, you know what? If this is what really happened, I can't be, this is too much, right? I don't think I can be part of this. This is so overwhelming. This call that the Lord's putting, like, he'll take care of Mary. If, if, if God brought this child into her, into her womb, then I trust that God can take care of this child. And so Joseph decides to divorce her quietly. And I really think the latter's probably the case. That it wasn't because Joseph thought he had been betrayed by Mary, but because he's just so overwhelmed by the situation. Because the angel shows up, right? The angel shows up to Joseph, and the first thing he says is, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. He's got fear. He's afraid of what this newborn child means for his life and just how overwhelming this whole situation would be, especially if Mary tells him that he's going to be the savior of the world, he's going to be the Messiah. You could imagine Joseph saying, I don't know if I can do that. But the angel's basic message is, take Mary, your wife, into your home. You're part of this story. It's not just Mary and this child. You're in. This is, I, the God has planned for Joseph to be part of this story from the very beginning. And maybe as he's wrestling with all of this, he's just so overwhelmed, and the message of the angel strikes right to exactly what he needs to hear. Don't be afraid. This is part of your plan, and I'll take care of everything. And that's the message that Joseph receives from the Lord. That's basically how he sets her straight. He sets him straight. And so what does Joseph do? As soon as he awakes, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. Maybe that means that's the point where Joseph heads down south, back to Elizabeth and Zechariah's house, and picks up his wife and says, All right, I'm in. This is what the Lord wants me to do. This is what the Lord has prepared me for my entire life to do. I'm in, Mary. What a great message that is for us. Because how many of us, when we're placed with whatever life gives to us, it's overwhelming. I think maybe it's the care of a, of a relative that needs a whole lot of care. Maybe it's children who are just overwhelming us. Maybe it's sin that we know that we need to we need to get out of, and yet we're unwilling to do it. We don't have the courage to do it. Or maybe it's just the simple struggles of daily life that we think, this is just too much. And what's the lesson that we hear from Joseph? Do not be afraid. And Joseph, much to his credit, that's all he needs. 
That's the clarity that he needs, that this is the plan that God has for his life. Go. And Joseph does. And he responds with immediate courage, with immediate conviction, to take Mary, his wife, into his home and to raise this child who's going to be the cause of the rise and fall of many. And that's the example that we get from St. Joseph. Everything doesn't come easy to him. He's got to wrestle with this. He's got to struggle with it and realize what it's going to cost him. That this child is, is not his biologically and what people think. And even the people who maybe told him, advised him to divorce his wife, he's got to say, no, I'm not doing that. And Joseph gives us this great example of courage. This great example of clarity, of wrestling with what the Lord is calling us to, even if it's overwhelming. But to hear the message of God, do not be afraid. And so on this last Sunday of Advent, may we learn from Joseph's example, his great example of courage, his example to follow whatever the Lord places before him. May we do likewise. May we rise to the occasion that the Lord calls us to, trusting that it's all part of his plan for our lives, even the hard things, maybe especially the hard things. And that's where we find our sanctity. That's where we find ourselves on the path towards holiness. If we simply imitate Joseph's example and to say yes to whatever the Lord asks of us.
splendor of the Father, Lord, have mercy. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. See the Lord proclaims to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, your savior comes. Here is his reward with him, 
his recompense before him, they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be called frequented, a city that is not forsaken. The word of the Lord. reading from the letter of St. Paul to Titus. Beloved, when the kindness and generous love of God our Savior appeared, not because of any righteous deeds we had done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the bath of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he richly poured out on us through Jesus Christ our Savior so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs in hope of eternal life. The word of the Lord.
The Lord be with you. And with your A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When the angels went away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go then to Bethlehem to see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known for us. So they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things reflecting on them in her heart. Then the angels, ret- then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that had all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. The Gospel of the Lord. like to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. Hopefully you get to spend a, a beautiful day and in, in well reflecting on Jesus's birth and then time with your family. Hopefully the, the weather hasn't inhibited too many family gatherings. I know in a, in a couple of weeks in mid-January, I'm going to get a chance to go down and see my parents. They, they moved down to Georgia now. And one of the things that always happens when uh, I'm with my parents is, you know, in the evening, we're kind of sitting around watching TV. My dad's always, always got the remote and, you know, flipping through channels. And if he ever stumbles upon one of the Jason Bourne movies, you can guarantee that we're going to stop and watch it. And originally when this first, this pattern happened, my mom would not be happy. She would let her displeasure known because the Jason Bourne movies are kind of like shoot 'em up sort of things. And, um, and then she realized that didn't work, so she didn't say anything. But now I don't think she would say this, but I think my mom likes the movies. But who knows? That's her decision. But the, the movies are, are really kind of, kind of interesting because the basic premise is that Jason Bourne is a CIA operative and he gets, at the very start of the first movie, he has a traumatic brain, or like he gets unconscious and he's got amnesia. And so he can function fine, but he just doesn't know who he is. He's, he doesn't have a clue, anything about who he is, where he's from, his identity, any of that. So he's got this, he's got this sense of amnesia. And so as he goes around, you know, he's kind of going through these different cities in Europe, through Paris and stuff, pretty much unknown. You know, the common person doesn't know what's going on, doesn't know this kind of CIA operative who doesn't know who he is, is walking, walking amongst them. There's this like a, just a hiddenness kind of to the whole thing. But of course, the CIA knows knows who he is. And so the, the agents of the CIA basically have to make this decision. Are they going to help him kind of figure out who he is and kind of get a normal life as he wants to live now? Or are they going to try to take him down? And so like it's kind of he's a polarizing person in the in the CIA. And of course, there's a third group of people that just 
don't really care, right? There's these people who, you know, the everyday common person just kind of passes on through. And I know what you might be thinking. Father, the Jason Bourne series of movies is not a Christmas movie. It's not, right? It's not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's not It's a Wonderful Life. It's not a Hallmark movie. And it's, it's not even Die Hard. But I do think it gives a whole lot of interesting images for what we celebrate today in this great mystery of Christmas. Because you look at, at Christ as he's born in Bethlehem of Judea. He's, in, he's hidden. He basically comes in behind enemy lines. He comes in in a very dark and a very hidden place. He doesn't show up as this great warrior in Rome, in the capital city of the empire, He comes to this kind of forgotten outpost of the empire, completely hidden, completely behind where anybody thought a challenge would come to the Roman authority. So there's this hiddenness. He's just kind of going under the cover of the unknown. And yet this this small child comes to fight. And it doesn't seem like it because he's just a baby and, you know, Toddlers throw temper tantrums, but even babies don't exactly do that, although they, you know, they cry. But, but he comes to fight. And we see that right from this very start of the gospel that we just heard. Because who shows up to the shepherds but an entire host of angels? And the shepherds are afraid when they see the angels because it's an army of angels that show up. This child has an army. He comes to do battle. Not with us, not with people, but he comes to do battle with all the things that tear us apart. With evil, with darkness, with sin, with all the worst things that happen in the world. We even hear this a little later in Mass. Hold up the host and say, behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. The sins of the world. Think of all the worst things that have happened in the past year. All the tragedies, all the sorrows, all the evil, all the violence. This baby is able to take away all of that. This small child is able to forgive, to heal, and restore the worst things that happened. Because he comes to fight. He comes to fight for good, for truth, for love. He's God with us, with his army of angels. But as this child comes, he forces a a decision from all of us. Either we're going to be like these shepherds or like the magi that we'll read about in a couple days or like Mary and Joseph and give our lives to him and come and to worship this child. Or in a few short moments also in, the, in our few short days, we'll hear the gospel of Herod who tries to destroy this child from his birth, forces a decision to either be with him or against him. I guess, of course, we could be somewhere in the middle where we just kind of act like it doesn't exist. Like all the other people in Bethlehem just kind of pass by and and let our Lord just be there. But either we're with him, we're against him, or we just kind of don't care. But there is really no, it's all right, but whatever. He forces a decision from us. And as this decision comes, we have to arise from our amnesia. That's what he comes to heal. He comes to wake us up because we forget who we are. This small child comes in our midst to remind us, maybe not just who we are, but whose we are. 
that ultimately we belong to him. And so what he comes to bring us this day is a reminder of our own dignity, that we're made in the image and likeness of God, that we're worth dying for, that we're worth fighting for, that we're made for love. And this small child comes to show us the father's love, to show us a love that's worth coming into our midst of hiding in secret, but then coming to fight for us and forcing a decision out of us that this small child comes to remind us of who we are. And that's why we celebrate this great feast every year. It just didn't happen 2,000 years ago, but we have to continually remember that this small child comes to us on this feast of Christmas, every time he shows up in the altar at Mass, and every time his presence is made known in our hearts. And so we come here today with great joy to worship this small child who came in a far out place, who lived in hiddenness undercover for so long, but now he comes to fight for us. He comes to win, to defeat the powers of darkness and to force us a decision. Will we wake up from our amnesia? Will we realize whose we are and live in the image and likeness of God? But today we come here to rejoice, for unto us, This child is born. Thank you. 
pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice of your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all this holy church. May our offerings be worthy, we pray, O Lord, of the mysteries of the Nativity this day, that just as Christ was born of man and also shown forth as God, so these are the days for us what is divine, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our Savior for this world, 
and in communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord Jesus Christ, the blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew and all your saints. We ask that through their merits and prayers in all things we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family, order our days in your peace and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and count among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands. And with eyes raised to heaven, to you, O God, his almighty Father, giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. Be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance, 
and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant, Abel the Just, the sacrifice of Abraham our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angels, your altar on high. In the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us, who through this participation at the altar, receive the most holy body and blood of your Son, may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember also, Lord, your servants who have come before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, all who sleep in Christ, a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your servants, who are sinners, hope in your abundant mercies. Graciously grant some share in fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, and all your saints. Admit us, we beseech you, into their company, not waning our merits, but granting us your pardon. Through Christ our Lord, who will be continuing to make all these good things, O Lord, who sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, restore them upon us.
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord,
the sacred mysteries. You are mighty God and Prince of Peace. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, Son of God and Son of Mary, Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You are the Lord made flesh and the splendor of the Father. Lord, have mercy.
A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. See the Lord proclaims to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, your savior comes. Here is his reward with him, his recompense before him. They shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be called frequented, a city that is not forsaken. The word of the Lord. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to Titus. Beloved, when the kindness and generous love of God our Savior appeared, not because of any righteous deeds we had done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the bath of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he richly poured out on us through Jesus Christ our Savior so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs in hope of eternal life. The word of the Lord.
The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to When the angels went away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go then to Bethlehem to see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known for us. So they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things reflecting on them in her heart. Then the the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. The Gospel of the Lord. like to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. Hopefully you get to spend a, a beautiful day and well reflecting on Jesus's birth and then time with your family. Hopefully the, the weather hasn't inhibited too many family gatherings. I know in a, in a couple weeks in mid-January, I'm going to get a chance to go down and see my parents. They, they moved down to Georgia now. And one of the things that always happens when uh, I'm with my parents is, you know, in the evening, we're kind of sitting around watching TV. My dad's always, always got the remote and, you know, flipping through channels. And if he ever stumbles upon one of the Jason Bourne movies, you can guarantee that we're going to stop and watch it. And originally, when this first this pattern happened, my mom would not be happy. She would let her displeasure known because the Jason Bourne movies are kind of like shoot 'em up sort of things, and um, and then she realized that didn't work, so she didn't say anything. But now I don't think she would say this. But I think my mom likes the movies. But who knows? That's her decision. But the, the movies are, are really kind of, kind of interesting because the basic premise is that Jason Bourne is a CIA operative and he gets, at the very start of the first movie, he has a traumatic brain, or like he gets unconscious and he's got amnesia. And so he can function fine, but he just doesn't know who he is. He's, he doesn't have a clue anything about who he is, where he's from, his identity, any of that. So he's got this, he's got this sense of amnesia. And so as he goes around, you know, he's kind of going through these different cities in Europe, through Paris and stuff, pretty much unknown. You know, the common person doesn't know what's going on, doesn't know this kind of CIA operative who doesn't know who he is, is walking, walking amongst them. There's this like just a hiddenness kind of to the whole thing. But of course, the CIA knows knows who he is. And so the, the agents of the CIA basically have to make this decision. Are they going to help him kind of figure out who he is and kind of get a normal life as he wants to live now? Or are they going to try to take him down? And so like it's kind of he's a polarizing person in the in the CIA. And of course, there's a third group of people that just 
don't really care, right? There's there's these people who, you know, the everyday common person just kind of passes on through. And I know what you might be thinking. Father, the Jason Bourne series of movies is not a Christmas movie. It's not, right? It's not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's not It's a Wonderful Life. It's not a Hallmark movie. And it's, it's not even Die Hard. But I do think it gives a whole lot of interesting images for what we celebrate today in this great mystery of Christmas. Because you look at, at Christ as he's born in Bethlehem of Judea. He's, in, he's hidden. He basically comes in behind enemy lines. He comes in in a very dark and a very hidden place. He doesn't show up as this great warrior in Rome, in the capital city of the empire. He comes to this kind of forgotten outpost of the empire, completely hidden, completely behind where anybody thought a challenge would come to the Roman authority. So there's this hiddenness. He's just kind of going under the cover of the unknown. And yet this this small child comes to fight. And it doesn't seem like it because he's just a baby and, you know, toddlers throw temper tantrums. But even babies don't exactly do that, although they, you know, they cry. But but he comes to fight. And we see that right from this very start of the gospel that we just heard. Because who shows up to the shepherds but an entire host of angels? And the shepherds are afraid when they see the angels because it's an army of angels that show up. This child has an army. He comes to do battle. Not with us, not with people, but he comes to do battle with all the things that tear us apart. With evil, with darkness, with sin, with all the worst things that happen in the world. We even hear this a little later in Mass. Hold up the host and say, Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. The sins of the world. Think of all the worst things that have happened in the past year. All the tragedies, all the sorrows, all the evil, all the violence. This baby is able to take away all of that. This small child is able to forgive, to heal, and restore the worst things that happened because he comes to fight. He comes to fight for good, for truth, for love. He's God with us, with his army of angels. But as this child comes, he forces a a decision from all of us. Either we're going to be like these shepherds or like the magi that we'll read about in a couple days or like Mary and Joseph and give our lives to him and come and to worship this child. Or in a few short moments also, in, the, in our few short days, we'll hear the gospel of Herod, who tries to destroy this child from his birth, forces a decision to either be with him or against him. And I guess, of course, we could be somewhere in the middle where we just kind of act like it doesn't exist, like all the other people in Bethlehem just kind of pass by and, and let our Lord just be there. But either we're with him, we're against him, or we just kind of don't care. But there is really no, it's all right, but whatever. He forces a decision from us. And as this decision comes, we have to arise from our amnesia. That's what he comes to heal. He comes to wake us up because we forget who we are. This small child comes in our midst to remind us, maybe not just who we are, but whose we are. 
that ultimately we belong to him. And so what he comes to bring us this day is a reminder of our own dignity, that we're made in the image and likeness of God, that we're worth dying for, that we're worth fighting for, that we're made for love. And this small child comes to show us the father's love, to show us a love that's worth coming into our midst of hiding in secret, but then coming to fight for us and forcing a decision out of us that this small child comes to remind us of who we are. And that's why we celebrate this great feast every year. It just didn't happen 2,000 years ago, but we have to continually remember that this small child comes to us on this feast of Christmas, every time he shows up in the altar at Mass, and every time his presence is made known in our hearts. And so we come here today with great joy to worship this small child who came in a far out place, who lived in hiddenness, undercover for so long, but now he comes to fight for us. He comes to win, to defeat the powers of darkness and to force us a decision. Will we wake up from our amnesia? Will we realize whose we are and live in the image and likeness of God? But today we come here to rejoice. For unto us, this child is born. Thank you. 
Christ who came into the world as one who was poor will rescue them. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all Christians, they may respond to the universal call to holiness by living their faith in great fervor. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That the sick may know the healing of Jesus Christ, especially Trent Neighbors, Lauren Elkins, Ashley Holthouse, Michael Maxwell, and Judy Steine. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the faithful departed, that they may behold the face of God, including Martha Boyer, Lou Fullenkamp, Helen Haney, David Mangan Sr., Tom Rickard, and David Michael Ward. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the people of the parishes for which this Mass is offered, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. A prayer for vocations is on the inside back of our hymnal. Almighty Father, you have created us for some definite purpose. Grant us the grace to know the path you have planned for us in this life, and to respond with a generous yes. Make our hearts shy as these parishes homes and hearts, fruitful ground for your gift of vocations. May our young people respond to your call with courage and zeal. Serve among our men the desire and strength to be good and holy. 
my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice of your hands for the grace and glory of his name, for our good and good of all this holy church. May our offerings be worthy, we pray, O Lord, of the mysteries of the Nativity this day, that just as Christ was born of man and also shown forth as God, so these earthly days may confer on us what is divine through Christ our Brought forth a Savior for this world, and in communion with those whose memory we venerate, 
especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of our God, and Lord Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, and all your saints. We ask that through their merits and prayers in all things we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family, order our days in your peace, and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation, and count among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands, and with eyes raised to heaven to you, O God, his almighty Father, giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. Accept them as one who are pleased to accept the gifts of your servant, able to just, 
the sacrifice of Abraham our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer, we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high. In the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us, who through this participation at the altar, receive the most holy body and blood of your Son, may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember also, Lord, your servants who have come before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, all who sleep in Christ, a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To assault your servants who are sinners, hope in your abundant mercies. Graciously grant some share in fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, and all your saints. Admit us, we beseech you into their company, not waning our merits, but granting us your pardon. Through Christ our Lord, through whom we continue to make all these good things, O Lord, who sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, bestow them upon us.
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lord. 